I think John Conlon is standing by. One of our soccer insiders, head soccer coach at Byron Center High School for the Girls, just south Grand Rapids, one of the top club coaches in America. He is standing by in the Meyer guest line. And wow, uh, what a final on Sunday. I watched it on DVR because I came back from Texas with Ferris State football after their D2 national championship win. And that was epic. That was I, I, I'm seeing now that the streaming and viewers and everything combined, the most watched World Cup game, I think, in history. Yeah, I mean, probably the best game I think I've ever seen, especially, you know, to decide a World Cup. I mean, it was back and forth. It was wide open. It was, you know, the stars were stars. It was everything you could ask for, a shootout to end it. I mean, it was it's a final that people will talk about for a long time, for sure even with all the other political issues that were going on there. I mean, I think hopefully that will be forgotten and everyone will just remember that it was a great, great soccer match, which it was. Well, I think a lot of people can take the politics out of it. I guess a Argentinian woman flashed her breast, which is against Qatar law. Uh, so whatever. Uh, if you're going to, you know, the media is going to harp on those stories. Move on. I mean, Messi, uh, the, uh, I think it's Andres Cantor, an Argentinian, uh, with his call of his homeland winning it. Still gives me goosebumps. I didn't understand a damn word he's saying, but you could feel it. You could hear it. Uh, you know, you could just uh, what it meant uh, to somebody from Argentina, uh, the passion they have for that sport. I know we have it on some levels in America, people who grew, grew up with the sport like yourself, Johnny, or uh, others, but... Man, it's a different animal uh, when you get to other countries when it comes to the World Cup. It really is. Yeah, it's really hard to explain. I mean, there's uh, there's not a game like it that symbolizes the different, you know, styles of play that the countries bring to the table and, you know, signifies their, their, uh, their background, if you will, like the Germans being really stoic and you know, being like a, a machine and the Brazilians being free flowing and the Argentinians are always kind of like the, uh, you know, the bridesmaid, if you will, to Brazil. But now, you you know, Argentina's back in the forefront. And uh, I think that's the way it should be. I mean, because I think definitely the last 30 years, you can't argue that, I mean, Messi's the best player the last 30 years and maybe of all time. And so, you know, how else could you go out other than win a World Cup in your last showing? I mean, I think that's it's pretty amazing. Well, when you talk about the top three players or four players, if you go Maradona, Pele, Messi, and, you know, Ronaldo might get into that conversation to a point. It might be limited to my first three names, but you get what two guys from Argentina, a guy from Brazil, and a guy from Portugal. Yeah. I don't, you know, Ronaldo really, I think in a lot of ways kind of hurt himself in this world cup and also this last year. And, um, I'm glad people are not focused on that because I do think in some ways he tarnished, uh, an end of his career. But for Messi, I think, you know, the, the dude has kind of done everything right his whole career and he's been a good teammate and a good person from what I've read. And he went out exactly the way that a champion should go out. And honestly, now I look back at it, I'm so angry with myself for not like picking Argentina to win it. It was just meant to be like, it was in the soccer gods. Like you could just feel it as the tournament went on. I mean, they come out and lose their first game and then come back and, 
win the whole thing, you know, with Messi and, you know, making like his 20th PK of the tournament or however many it was. And uh, it just, it was a perfect ending to one of the greatest players in history. Hey man. And then Ronaldo fell victim to the curse of my wife has a Netflix documentary. <laughs> yeah, that's that's right up there with like the Madden uh, cover. It is. Uh, yeah, I I'll tell you, man. I've always said it uh, since I was introduced to soccer through my children that I've always watched Messi and said, "Man, uh, it's up there like watching Michael. It's in his prime. It's uh, watching Tiger Woods in his prime. He's just larger than life. He shows up in big moments and." Uh, gosh, you know what, what's left for him to do? I, you know, I, I assume that will be his last World Cup match, correct? I mean, if I were advising him, yeah, yeah, <laughs> but he's not. He hasn't called me yet, so no, he doesn't. Um, he, he hasn't called me. Yeah, on. yeah. Know? So I think he's still got some time left in his career, but you can't do any better than that. Like you just, there's no other way. Even mm. if you want another World Cup, it's not going to mean the same as this one. It's just, it just isn't. Yeah, like in between so I, between the streaming, between everything now connected to the worldwide TV coverage, uh, most watched World Cup game of all time. The only American comparison to what we're seeing, you know, the two-day celebration that's going on in Argentina, Johnny, would be when the U.S. beat the Russians in Lake Placid and that patriotic flag-waving feel that our country had for a long time after that. Yeah, and, and, you know, I obviously was pretty young when that happened, and I don't remember it, but that is arguably one of the most talked about, you know, American events in terms of sports. But it, it's hard to explain to people what soccer means to these countries because, you know, the U.S. is the top dog when it comes to a lot of things financially and, you know, militaristically and everything. But we are not the top dog when it comes to soccer. And I will tell you, there's a pride throughout the world that the U.S. is not the top dog. And there's a pride that, a, you know, a country like Argentina or, you know, a country like uh, Morocco or a country of four million like Croatia can be a top four team in the world. I mean, you know, Croatia has four million people. Just process that for a minute. That's, you know, a half the size of Michigan, less than half the size of Michigan. And they're one of the top four countries in the world that right now with soccer. Um, I don't know if you saw Di Maria for Argentina. He was crying on the bench. Um, but this is just one story. He, uh, When he was a kid, his parents couldn't afford anything. So he actually rode his bike like 45 minutes both ways to get to soccer practice. He, his parents didn't have a car. They just had an old bike and and, you know, here's this guy now making millions and winning the World Cup and probably probably paying for his village back in Argentina to, you know, all upgrade their houses because I'm sure he's getting a huge payday, too. Uh, but those are the stories you get with the World Cup. It's just it's, it's a different beast. And I, I honestly kind of feel sorry for people who don't get soccer because there's nothing like it. There's there's there, no other sport can replicate it. It, it is the world sport. Oh, Johnny, I loved your Facebook post right after the final. I saw it Sunday night, I think, when I got back late Sunday afternoon. And you're like, if if you if you didn't like that final, then defriend me now on Facebook. <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, honestly, if you grow up uh, a soccer player in this country, 
trust me, you've heard it from plenty of football players. Now these are the same football players that, that couldn't catch me if I were running a mile. But, you know, it's I love football too. But soccer's always taken a beating in this country, and I understand why. I, I totally get it. But there's nothing like it. There's nothing like it, and there's nothing like the World Cup. And I think that game won over a lot of American viewers, hopefully. Yeah, leading into North America, Canada, U.S., and uh, Mexico hosting. But really, the venues are dominated in big American cities uh, four years from now. Uh, the final thought here, and you've said it all along, you know, in 12 years of being one of my soccer insiders here on the huge show across Michigan, that until we build those free academies, and that yep. would be U.S. soccer for boys and girls in all cities in America, there would be these uh, hundreds of free soccer academies where these kids would go, wouldn't have to pay for anything, not just elite club, where it comes down to parents with money and time uh, to do it, and we do what... Uh, the other cities have done in the world, other countries, and you build these soccer academies. And for some reason, uh, the U.S. seems hell-bent that uh, they can just have club players and college players and they can be one of the best in the world. Yeah, there's. I mean, there's so much to it, but I, I think it does come down to other countries are doing it better because they're putting an emphasis on it and the reason they put an emphasis on it is they have professional leagues that can sustain the academies below them. And we just don't have that yet. And so that's the next step for us. Um, I think it's coming. We're starting to see it in the U S but I, I think you laughed when I told you it was going to be 40 years, uh, 12 years ago. I, I, I still, it could be more than 28 years. I, we're not going to win the next world cup. I'm sorry to break everyone's heart. We're not. Uh, you know, Croatia is a one-off or, you know, a two-year off, if you will. Like, I have a hard time believing they're going to stay at the top of the world. Um, it, 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 the teams that have that stay at the top of the world have the best pro leagues. And so we're just not there. And, you know, hopefully in my lifetime I'll see us make a semifinal. That would be that'd be a great thing. But long way to go. Until we build, until we take advantage of developing – uh, the inner cities, uh, developing the lower income areas uh, with the sport of soccer will never will never reach that uh, top shelf world class level. And I, I am stunned that U.S. soccer in partnership with MLS, they have not done that. I know they have their MLS next, and but that still is uh, catered to parents with money who are paying for kids. And I know some clubs have, you know, tuition assistance to help out underprivileged uh, children, but uh, they need to do this. You know, could you imagine a soccer academy in downtown Detroit, a soccer academy in downtown Grand Rapids, soccer academy uh, in Lansing? Let's say you did three or four in the state. Maybe it's, yep. uh, you know, uh, Flint Saginaw area. You did four of them in each state. You had 200 academies in America. Yeah, some kids are going to make the national team. Other kids are going to go pro, and other kids are going to really fuel uh, D1 college programs, men and women across the country. Yeah, well, it's it would put us over the top for sure. The problem is it takes money out of people's pockets. And uh, while that's exactly what I want, those people that are making money hand over fist in the soccer world right now, they don't want to let go, you know, let go of their golden goose. And their golden goose is club soccer and, you know, everything that comes with that. So <laughs> it's going to be a tough model to change. 
I mean, honestly, you just have to have a professional league that, you know, overwhelms everybody with their popularity, and we don't have that yet. Um, I do think the MLS is, is getting closer and closer, and I don't blame the MLS. I know, I know you've kind of been hard on them. They were just trying to survive. I mean, like, you know, trying to get market share, if you will, and, and now they're starting to get it. Now is the time where they need to start branching out and doing some of those things you were just talking about, building the free academies. I think that's the next step. You know, I think it's pretty cool is that John is in the club world but understands what's necessary if we want to be a world power because we can go about our business and the kids are having fun playing club and they're moving on to D3 and D2 and D1 and NAI schools or uh, they're having great high school careers. So it's not like the club experience uh, is a total negative. But if you want to be a world power, uh, U.S. soccer has to up their game uh, here in America. That's not an indictment of any club or what they do because my kids play club and have played clubs, so I'm not going to be a hypocrite. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's I'm not bashing everything that has to do with club sports because ultimately I think club sports provide an avenue for kids to develop character in different situations. And But, listen, all club sports, basketball, football, whatever it is, they're money-making operations. We've had this discussion. And anyone who tells you differently is probably the person making the money. So, you know, people should question and people should – question why things are so expensive, why it costs $15 to go to an AAU basketball tournament for third graders. Yes, people, you should question that, and you should be vocal and question that, because sooner or later we're not going to be the world power in basketball anymore either. Uh, It's just a matter of time. And, you know, we need to change that model if we want to be great in soccer, and we need to change that model if we want to be great in basketball again, because right now we're pricing kids out, and we can't do that. John Conlon, he's one of our soccer insiders, a great club coach uh, across Michigan, one of the best in the country, and also uh, he's taken over uh, the girls' program uh, for his wife at Byron Center High School, and they have a great soccer complex just south of GR, a growing school district. Johnny, I appreciated uh, all of your insight during the World Cup, and we'll talk uh, next summer. We have the ladies, right? Yeah, hey, and, and huge once again. I, I got to give you props. Thanks for being. You were the first, in my opinion, the first guy on the scene to really jump all over soccer and support soccer um, on the radio that I've heard. And now, obviously, it's kind of becoming popular to do that. But you were doing it 15, 16 years ago when it wasn't, and it's on its way. I mean, we're we're getting there, and it was a great World Cup too. Yeah, and it was a wonderful conversation with you, and I got a lot of great feedback from what you and. Uh, Joey Baroni brought to the table. Johnny, uh, enjoy Christmas. We'll talk soccer soon. All right, sounds good. Thanks. John Conlon, I love him. He just honest, knows the sport. Heck of a coach, too. And a great analyst. I think he could, you know, sit on a network table, you know, booth, uh, color commentary, you know, halftime analysis, any level. He's fantastic. Him and Baroni.